Episode 71, April Davis, CEO of Luma Luxury Matchmaking. Sometimes us entrepreneurs are, you know, they say, what do they say? Like a light that burns twice as bright, um, burns twice as fast. I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes, but what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth, and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. For show notes, links, and more for this episode, go to markgraben.com slash mistake 71. Please follow, rate, and review. And if you enjoy this episode, please share it with a colleague, a friend, a family member. That'll really help get the word out about the show. Our guest today is April Davis. She is the founder and CEO of Luma Luxury Matchmaking. It's an Inc. 5000 company. They are a high-end nationwide matchmaking service. They've been featured in shows including Bravo's Real Housewives of Orange County, and Forbes and CBS and their website. If you are in the market for such services, is lumasearch.com. So April, thank you for joining us here today. How are you? Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm doing well. How about yourself? Um, I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to our conversation. You know, I, I think you're in an interesting industry. We haven't had a guest yeah. so far involved in matchmaking. So I think we'll have uh, a chance to learn about that and, and, and some of the work you do or some of the mistakes people make in trying to find their uh, their match. But, you know, first off, as we normally do here, April, I'm going to ask you, you know, looking at your career, what's your favorite mistake? Oh, just I would say I think the mistake that comes to mind is I probably went too hard and too fast to get through um, college and um you know, I think so. My my focus was really on just getting it done, and I started college when I was sixteen. I did post secondary, and then I took summer classes and never stopped. I never took a semester off until I had completed my master's degree. And actually, even then, after that, I t- I took another semester and um took um some lessons the private pilot for private private pilot license <laughs> license. And so I just, I kept going and going. And um, I, so I got my master's completed by the time I was 20, which is pretty awesome to, you know, and that was rewarding to get it done. But I know that I missed out on a lot and I probably could have done, you know, done more and done better. And if I had focused on that, but instead of being so, you know, so all over the place because I was working full time and going to school full time. And so it's, and I also used to race snowmobiles. So, <laughs> and I would do that on the weekends in the winter. So and there wasn't really a lot of time, downtime at all, or even really time to do much studying. I, I had to do a lot of my homework while I was actually at um, work and stuff sometimes. So it was just getting it in when you can. So I think like it, just pushing it probably too much, too hard would, and um, not being able to focus as much on quality. So I could have done probably better in my schoolwork and um, you know, that, that kind of thing. Cause I was, it's just, sometimes us entrepreneurs are, you know, they say, what do they say? Like a light that burns twice as bright um, burns twice as fast. You know, when we get to be 
when we do something, we do it. <laughs> and um, yeah, so it was a bit extreme or probably a bit much. So I'm thinking of the racing, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, well, this is Top Gun, you know, the need for speed or, um, you know, the, uh, the silly Will Ferrell movie about uh, Talladega Nights. If you're not first, <laughs> if you're not first, you're last. Um, where, it's, it sounds like that drive. I mean, you're, I, I think you're our first guest who had a master's degree at age 20. Like, where do you think that drive, that need for speed came oh. from? The adrenaline stuff? Well, I'm from a small town in northern Minnesota, and um, there weren't many girls there that I was friends with. I was friends with mostly guys because that's who was there, you know, and my brother was (laughs) close to my age, got along with him, and he raced, and then so I got into it. And it was just, it is super fun, you know, and I just, I love it. And so I did, I did snowmobile, I started snowmobile racing and then I bought my first dirt bike when I was um, 15, I'd saved up all summer long. So I could buy that first on my dirt bike and just loved it. It was so much fun. And then um, have always been kind of into that. I enjoy going fast and, you know, any motor vehicles, you know, motorcycles, dirt bikes, cars, anything. Yeah. So how do you think that translated then to your education and wanting to complete that so quickly? Because to your point, spending, you know, going uh, at at a regular pace would have given you more time for the adrenaline rush Mm -hmm. of those different activities. So, I mean, what what, what was the motivation, do you think, to push through school so quickly? You know, when I was first starting I mean, I was, a, I did waitressing and um, bartending and anyone that's done that kind of work knows how hard and um, just, it can, it can take its toll. It's difficult and people can be very difficult. <laughs> and so um, I was really, I was motivated primarily so I didn't have to waitress anymore because <laughs> I knew as soon as I could get my degrees and then I could have a, a real job, I wouldn't have to be running around on my feet for hours on end, you know, working my butt off. And um, it's just, it, it was so extremely exhausting and hard. And I don't know how people do this forever, but I was, yeah, it was really, it was, I think that was my big motivation was to get it done. So I wouldn't have to do waitressing mm-hmm. anymore. <laughs> and and your, your degrees, both degrees were in business, correct? Correct. Business management. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you didn't rush to get a PhD uh, at a young age. You, <laughs> you, you left school behind and, and went out to your career. What, what happened when yeah. you were out of school then? Yeah, I think um, master's was enough <laughs> at that point. And then um, then I've, I've always wanted to get my pilot's license. So I started on that, taking the ground school at a local community college. And I didn't finish it at that time just because I realized, you know, I'm a little bit scared. I was all over the place and I was young. I was like 21, I think, at that time. And I'm like, I probably just need to have fun and you know, do other things. So I had a motorcycle. So at that point, I'm like, I'm going to just ride that and just, you know, take a break and I'll come back to it when I'm older and maybe more calm and can be focused because that's the kind of thing that you don't want to mess up. (laughs) There are no, there's no second chances or riding it out or guessing it out as they say when you're riding. But um, yeah, so I, I actually did just complete it in January, just got my pilot's license. So. Oh, great. To fly solo. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I guess. Yep. Excellent. 
Yeah, they um, let me do it alone now. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow we convinced them. Yeah. Well, so then, so you have you know all of these uh, these 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 wild rides and entrepreneurship mm-hmm. can be a similar maybe adrenaline rush or or wild ride. What mm-hmm. what led to you starting a business, um, in particular uh, a matchmaking service? Well, I've always been a connector. And actually the first couple I ever put together was when I was 16, when I was a waitress in a little cafe. So it was a, it was a patron. And then one of the ladies I worked with, I ended up hooking them up and they ended up getting married. So that was pretty neat. And so I've always been a connector, whether it was for you know romance, of course, but also business and just friendships. And then, well, in 2010, I realized I'm like, Hey, this is an industry. And I started looking at reviews of other companies and, and then hearing stories, of course, from my single friends about how horrid it is to, you know, especially like online dating wasn't quite as mainstream as it is now, but um, it just hearing about how challenging it is for people to find someone. And so I looked into the industry, did some competitive analysis and realized there's an opportunity for improvement. And that's my background is, um, is improvement and process improvement. And so I put that to work and created the model. And initially I just did it for fun and wasn't charging anyone, just helping people connect and giving people coaching advice. You know, I take clients shop. We still do this, but I take clients shopping and help them figure out what to wear in the wardrobe or how to style their hair. And just, you know, it's usually it's just like a a tweak, like 10%. If they can just turn the dial 10%. They'll step up their game and make significant improvements and then stand out from the rest of the crowd. And so we really focused on that. And I just started building up my database. And eventually um, I you know, started charging. And of course, then I had employees while I was still working at my corporate job. And then eventually in 2014, I left my corporate job and went full time and went after it. But I think a correlation can be made between with the adrenaline is kind of the risk taker type persona. So people that are, you have to be willing to take risks to start your own business and make sacrifices. And so I think that's where that can come in where with for um, entrepreneurial and also competitive spirit. So Racing definitely instills a, a bit of competitiveness into you, and that drives me probably more than anything. So I, yeah, if I start, and not just competition like with other matchmaking firms or, or, um, or like dating sites and apps. It's just, I mean, I saw the movie about Facebook with Mark Zuckerberg, and I was inspired. I was like, look at what he's done, and he, like at his age, I'm like, I can do a lot more than this, you know. So um, it's just when I see that there's opportunity, and I mean, yeah, I'll, it's probably just pushing myself and being competitive with myself. I know I can do more or be more, so I'll go after it. So thinking about that race with your competitors? I mean, how, how does your company differentiate itself? Um, I, I, you know, somebody is looking for a matchmaking firm. I mean, you've probably got direct competitors. And then when we talked before, you told me there's a difference between like dating sites and matchmaking. So you've got indirect competitors as well, I guess. How do you line up with them? Yeah. So I always say like apps and dating sites, they're not our competition. It's more of a justification. 
because once people use them, they recognize, okay, this is a lot of work and there's a lot of bogus profiles out there and their people aren't just, they're just not getting what they want. Right. And so they go to a matchmaker because a matchmaker has, we have our own Rolodex of individuals that are seeking a committed relationship. So, you know, you want the same things that weeds out a lot of people right there. And also we primarily focus on people that are a, we, a lot of high net worth. So it's like business owners and um, professionals, executives, you know, people that have high standards for themselves and the kind of person that they're looking for in a match. And so we have our own database of people that anyone can join and be a member of that database. So then we can consider them as a match to our clients and we'll meet with them. We interview them. And, you know, some of the differentiators, one of one thing is that we do is we interview on average about 50 people per client. So it's like we're going on 50 first dates for our clients so they don't have to. Mm-hmm. And we also... Our matchmaker to client ratio is really low. We have about average about 15 to 20 clients per matchmaker, whereas uh, a lot of services will have literally hundreds of clients per matchmaker. And there's no way to effectively um, take care of clients, you know, and that when you have those kinds of crazy ratios. And another thing, I only hire people that have industry experience because I want the best of the best. And I want to, you know, how they say hire people that are smarter than you. And so I learned, we are able to learn from each other and and bringing in people that have, you know, different industry experience that um, can help us to um, bring the best out out of everyone else too. And um, it's, so it's very much a boutique type of service. It's very one-on-one. We do, we help our clients in whatever way that is necessary. So it could be helping them with wardrobe or hair or just booking a a location for a date, um, you know, helping them figure out what to do on the second date. Or I've literally sent text messages to a client saying, okay, send her this. (laughs) And then a lot of what there's coaching. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of what we do is actually just working as the middleman. And we, I've saved many relationships, just talking to people, smoothing things over or explaining things and um, just being that middle person. Because that feedback is really helpful. I think when people do, if you meet somebody organically or online or something, you don't get feedback. You don't get a second chance, you know, and people might just ghost or they, you know, just nothing ever becomes of it. And so that's why it's, it can be helpful to have a matchmaker in between to help just kind of move things along. (laughs) Yeah. So a lot of times when there's a breakup, there might be some stated reason, or like you said, you know, uh, unstated reason, or, mm-hmm. you know, my, you know the, 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 I guess if somebody thinks of dating and finding love is a process, I'm an engineer, so I'm going to use your language. It's a process. Yeah. When I think about yeah. process improvement <laughs> without feedback, we can't improve. So and, what you're saying is kind of having that intermediary increases the chance of getting indirect feedback or, or getting more, more accurate feedback, I should say, plus third party, maybe objective feedback. Exactly. And I always say to there's three sides to every date. So a lot of times it's just recognizing, okay, this is what their perception was, whether it's true or not, you know, that's another thing, but this is how you came off to them. And this is how they saw it. So, and, you know, if I saw the same thing when I met with them and now, now we have a pattern. So (laughs) that's something that needs to be addressed. And, you know, and like a lot of times I've had these clients that 
they're great. They're super amazing, successful, and there's just, they're really good at what they do in their, in their companies and stuff. But maybe when it comes to dating, it's just not working out. There's something not quite right. And so that's where it can be really beneficial to have you know, a professional along your side to help you with that. Even, I mean, sometimes it's just the introduction. It's just the access to the type of person that they're looking for. And that's what we have. And that's what we do. We really focus, um, again, with my background and process improvement, I've utilized that to incorporate a lot of recruitment methods that have helped us to find the right kinds of people for our clients as well. So that's the biggest part is just being able to find the right ones for people. Yeah. So you know, think of clients who come to you at some point, they're probably reflecting and, and thinking there's, there's some dissatisfaction or they've been, they might feel like they're making mistakes and who they're meeting, who they're asking out, how they're going about things as, as entrepreneurs or successfully driven people, how, how much of it is a matter of they've made mistakes and they're, they're ready now to try a different approach versus maybe just not having the time. They're too busy. Yeah. I think it's mostly a combination of not having time and too busy, but also just not having the access. So, okay. For example, Online dating is horrible for guys because if you are a decent guy and you you find a woman online that you know is attractive, she's probably getting hundreds, if not thousands, of messages. And um, the good, really good looking ones are gonna just delete their profile after a couple of days because they're so disgusted by the creeps that are messaging them. And so, how are you going to stand? you know, stand through, how are you going to come through so she can actually even see your message, let alone get a date. So that's where it can be super challenging where a guy might, and he doesn't, it's hard to, it's hard to really relay who you are in a profile. People just look at pictures and they don't know who's who. So we can really be an advocate for people or we can be an advocate for our clients. So I can, I can call up somebody and say, I call a woman and I tell, I'm telling her about my client. It's going to mean a lot more to her coming from me. I'm another woman. I'm a trusted you know, advisor. And then it, it's going to, it's going to mean a lot coming from me versus, you know, some random profile, some dude in messenger <laughs> messaging her online again. And so, and she's going to, it's just more credible and I'm going to be able to fill in the gaps. I'm going to tell her a lot, give her a lot more insight about who he is versus just, you know, what it says on his profile or just looking at pictures of him and stuff. So um, being a big client advocate, I think it's a big part of what we do as well. Yeah. So how do you measure the success rates? When we think about process improvement, we often think about, you know, measures and Mm -hmm. as we improve the process, we want to move the needle on um, on results. And, and I'm, I'm guessing the success rate in matchmaking then drives your business success. I mean, how, how do you gauge or measure success? Is it the percentage of marriages? Is it time until marriage? Yeah, um, percent of people that end up in a relationship okay. and gaining relationship. when they're working with us. Yeah. And um, like, so are, are there times where, and it sounds like there's a lot of this is not technology, artificial intelligence. This is human intelligence, if not intuition around mm-hmm. who is a good match. Like, you know, is there a time you can think of where you, you were convinced there was a great match and that turned out not to be true? Like what, what are the yeah. things that are surprising? All the time. Well, 
I always say the more I've been in this industry, the more I realize I don't know anything because humans, humans are complex. And this is why I always am so vocal around people needing to be open-minded because we are really quick to judge and people are layered. They're very, they're very complex. You wouldn't look at me and, and think that I've raced snowmobiles or have my pilot's license, you know, but there's a lot of layers to everyone. And so it's important. And that's why I always say it's important to recognize that. And also just have an open mind about what kind of package someone can come in because oftentimes people think, Oh, I need this, this, and this, and this, and then I'll be in a relationship. And it's, there's a lot more to it and people will surprise you. They can pleasantly surprise you if you are open to it. And I mean, it, it's um, love and, and uh, emotion that's involved. It's not a rational check the box. I mean, I, I think I've, I've been married for almost 20 years and hope to be married uh, another 20. So the whole dating discussion is not, you know, might be re- more relevant. It's going to be relevant to the audience, maybe not me, but I think of um, buying a house because that's something my wife and I have done a number of times. Mm-hmm. Like even, even that is not a strictly rational, logical activity. Well, sure, you can have a list to your point of, well, here are the features we want in the house, but then sometimes you see a place and there's just this this connection or this feeling, you know, like, well, okay, it's missing these two things, but we love this house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and that's just it. How many times have you maybe, I don't know about you, but I'll just ask people in general, how many times have you met somebody and you thought you had great chemistry, they're, you know, it's wonderful, that's the one, and then it fizzles out, you know, lightning, lightning struck and then it fizzles out. So the opposite can be true as well. You know, it can start off slow and then build up and, you know, get to, as you get to know the person, they can grow on you. You know, there's a lot of people that started off as friends or maybe colleagues. And then eventually the attraction grew and they got to know each other and ended up together. So I've seen it happen and people can if you're just, you know, if you're open to it, then and just getting, giving people the chance um, and not expecting, oh, it has to be this great lightning bolt, you know, attraction. Yeah. Because that's, you know, that oftentimes that doesn't work anyway. So, yeah. And, and, and I'm, I'm somewhat regretting that might have been a mistake. That wasn't really a great analogy because buying a house and falling in love is not really the same well thing. i think it, it is but it, a lot of times people will come to us and it, it is kind of like they're buying a house they're like i want this this and this and this but okay but your budget is this so let me and when i say budget i mean like okay you're five and you want to date a seven so, <laughs> like, and, i was about know. to ask the follow-up question what do you mean by budget but yeah. like what kind of restaurants you can afford to go to but no you, not, or, it not could be that, that or, but it's yeah. like people want all these things and they're they're, you know, they're only what do you what they're working with isn't, you know, to par <laughs> what that person would want from them. So it is in a way, I, a lot of times it's kind of like a, a house. But it, what's funny with buying a house, you have 15 minutes to decide and then you got to you either buy it now or it's off the market. Somebody else is going to get it. So it's kind of it's interesting that we're thinking this dating doesn't have to be that way. <laughs> yeah. But so the the other thing that comes through in what you're doing is it, it's not just introductions, but the coaching and the process improvement, if you will. You mentioned appearance, maybe just uh, like your coach 
coaching people on other factors, like being able to carry on a conversation or mm-hmm. giving coaching of like, you know, don't talk about yourself so much or other things that could end up driving someone else away. Sure. Yeah, it can, it can be that depending on what the client needs um, and maybe what feedback we've received. It could be something just as simple as, okay, we'll, I'll put together um, a bunch of pictures of hairstyles. Like, okay, I think this is the hairstyle that would be good for you. And um, we have referrals to different hairstylists or wardrobe consultants or whatever it is that people might need in order to just up their game. And like I said, little tweaks. It's only, usually it's about a 10% rotation of the dial because we're not going to Cinderella anyone, you know, it's just, (laughs) it's making those little things that can make all the difference. And I, I always had this story where um, I had this client that he had this something on his nose, like right here. And it it looked like a mole and um, it wasn't a mole, but it was, it looked like one. And I just knew that that was going to be awfully distracting and um, going to take away from his chances of meeting someone. So like with the mole, he was a four and without it, he was a six. So (laughs) I just told him, I had to tell him like, Hey, that's something you should get that taken care of now. Now's the time. And he listened to me and I know it definitely helped his chances. So Cause it is a just little, but it's something like, yeah, he knew about it, but just didn't think it was that big of a deal. But like, no, to women, that kind of stuff, it is attraction, first date, that stuff is important. Yeah. Well, how often do you assess a client and say, I don't know if we can really, I don't know if we can get him or her there. I mean, how often do you just say, I'm sorry, we don't, we can't work well, with you for one all the reason time. or another. Yeah. All the time. When we first are thinking of taking somebody on, we go through a whole series of questions to determine if we can work with them and how realistic they are. And, um, and then we'll determine, yeah, if we can take them on as a client, then we move forward, but otherwise we might refer them out or um, give them that feedback. A lot of times people, appreciate the feedback and then they will maybe wheel it back on what their expectations are because we're like, yeah, if we're saying we can't help you, then there's probably something, something else going on. So you might need to like some people just need, they need to reset their expectations or maybe talk to somebody else. (laughs) Or in some cases, maybe a therapist instead of a matchmaker. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, so um, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, you've used some examples uh, of clients being men. Are, are, are your clients predominantly men or is that a mistaken assumption? On well, my part? We have women, we have, um, it's about 50-50. We have women and men. But we have a database um, and that's, that's uh, we have over 70% are women in the database. So we have lots of, lots of ladies that they want their man to be able to find them. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, one other question I want to ask you is, as we're on our working our way out of the pandemic, how has the past year affected matchmaking? I mean, we all spend a lot of time on Zoom. We're doing this interview on Zoom. Has that meant more Zoom mm-hmm. dates, Zoom interviews? Or? Yeah, we're definitely doing a lot more virtual and FaceTime dates initially. Some people are still meeting in person. Now that it's you know warming up all over, people are able to meet up and go for a walk or 
do something like grabbing a coffee or ice cream or something and um, being outside. But it it's always on a case by case, you know, client by client basis with, you know, what their comfort level is and, you know, what they want to do proximity to different options, you know, so we plan everything. Uh, we It's all um, up to the client and, and the matchmaker. Yeah. So is the matchmaking activity about the same and the success rate about the same during the pandemic? Yeah, we were slower, of course, last March and April of 2020. It, like everything, everybody, it, we kind of followed yeah. the stock market, quite frankly. When the stock market yeah. crashed and everything went down, everybody was scared. You know, um, we were all hunkered down, um, social distancing. And then June rolled around and people were starting to come out. And then we had a big rush and everybody was wanting to meet someone. Yeah. So, um, and then we've stayed pretty consistent and steady ever since. So, All right. yeah, because, you know, it's hard for people to meet online it's, and they're definitely not meeting organically out and about, not going to parties, not, you know, meeting people at the bar, for example. So yeah. they, there's definitely a need for a matchmaking service. Yeah. Well, and you are there. So uh, again, we've been joined by April Davis, uh, Luma Luxury Matchmaking. She's the founder and CEO. Um, the website is lumasearch.com. Um, you know, thank you for sharing some of your um, history in terms of you know education and then starting um, a business. And uh, thanks for giving us a glimpse into uh, an industry that um, we haven't been able to talk about here before. So really enjoyed it. I really appreciate it. Thank you well, for joining thank us. You. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, thanks so much again to our guest, April Davis. If you'd like to find show notes and links, you can go to markgraven.com slash mistake 71. And I hope this podcast inspires you to reflect on your own mistakes and how you can learn from them or turn them into a positive. I've had listeners tell me they've started being more open and honest about mistakes in their work, and they're trying to create a workplace culture where it's safe to speak up about problems because that leads to more improvement and better business results. If you have feedback or a story to share, you can email me, myfavoritemistakepodcast at gmail.com. And again, our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. Since every podcast asks you to do it, it would be a mistake if I didn't ask you to please follow, rate, and review. But most importantly, thank you. Thank you for listening.